sometimes others might be challenged with a black lady or black woman being in the position of leadership I'm in but that's a them problem not mine I walk in the authority that God has given to me I share platform I love to see others win and their leadership Hello and welcome to the Together podcast. It's a conversation about faith, justice and how to help change the world. My name is Anna and I'm your host. I have great pleasure in letting you know there will be Sandy, another member of our We Are Tear Fun community, who is interviewing Shamara Fletcher for this episode. Shamara Fletcher is the amazing woman of God who's multi-talented, who actually led the prayers for the Queen's funeral. We hope you enjoy this conversation about leadership, representation and climate justice, all for Black History Month. So hello everyone and welcome to you Shamara. It's an absolute pleasure to be talking to you. I've been very excited to get an interview with you. It was very special <laughs> for me. But yeah, it's amazing to have you here with us on our Thank We Are Tears podcast. Now, just to give you listeners some info about who Shamara is, which I'm sure you'll know who she is. Shamara Fletcher is the Principal Officer for Pentecostal Charismatic and Multicultural Relations for Churches Together in England. Now, with her background as part of the Church of God of Prophecy, Shamara is a millennial Pentecostal leader with experience in community organising and engaging and empowering young people into leadership opportunities. Shamara was also the recipient of the 2020 Exceptional Young Woman Award from the Wise Women Awards. So Shamara, you are a woman of many talents and we're going to get into it. The fact that you spoke at the Queen's funeral as well and had the privilege to pray in that space and kind of honour the Queen. And it was just amazing. But the floor is yours. Would you like to introduce yourself a bit further and tell us a little bit more about you? Oh, thank you, Sandeep. Thank you. I should firstly start by saying it's great to be on the Together podcast and just hearing all the great work that you're doing around justice and that intersectionality of leadership, justice and young people. So thank you um, for having me on. Yes, as you've said, I am a woman. I'm a Pente-Anglican, I call myself. So I'm both part of the Pentecostal Church and the Anglican Communion. And I'm an ecumenist. So I'm passionate about seeing all different churches, all different types of Christians in dialogue and communion with each other. Outside of that, I love people. I love justice. I've got a particular vocation to the homeless, those who are considered the least of these. And from the age of 18, I've just had this burning desire and call to be with the community and yeah, just to embody what God wants for his church outside of the institutional church space. So that's been something that I've been really passionate about. Outside of that, I'm an international speaker where you would have seen me speak at the Queen's funeral and yeah, just motivating people, inspiring people and just encouraging them that don't live in potential, live in the gifts of what you are and let the world see it. So that's just a small, small snippet of who I am, some of the things I do. My favourite food is calamari. So if anybody is listening and you want to order some for me, thank you, thank you, thank you. So yeah. That's amazing. I love that. (laughs) Calamari, that's so random. I would not have guessed. (laughs) That's amazing. So within all these spaces that you're leading and you're empowering other people, like what's your favourite thing about leading in those church spaces and different spaces? What's your favourite thing about that? Do you know what? I love leadership development. I love to see somebody who doesn't really think, oh, 
am I a leader? You know, can I influence? Can I bring my gifts and unique footprint into this space? I love when the light bulb moment flicks for that person and they start living and flying and just embodying everything that they're meant to be just to see it's like the caterpillar to the butterfly effect you know and just seeing that in people that I'm leading or developing into leadership it it just brings me so much joy I love to shape things I like strategy you know I like creativity in strategy as well so how can we do things that haven't been done before or how can we do the things that we have done before in a creative and different way so yeah that's my top two I love that that's amazing (laughs) now recently your journey brought you all the way to South Africa with Christian Aid which looked amazing from what I was following on Instagram and Mm -hmm. I I gathered from that that it was quite an eye-opening opportunity for you with kind of seeing how climate change issues are going on over there but can you tell us a bit more about that experience that you had with Christian Aid and going and visiting South Africa was it your first time going? It was my first time going and will not be my last. You know, going to South Africa was an absolutely wonderful, life-changing experience. Just seeing, you know, in regards to your question about climate change, the effects that it's having on real people with real stories. You know, I had the privilege with Christian Aid to visit shacks of communities that have been decimated by floods. You know, I had the opportunity to go to where some of the oil rigs and companies are, which are which unfortunately is creating a lot of cancer in the people that live around those areas. You know, so much in the UK, in the great privileged land of the UK, we hear about climate justice and unfortunately it can just go in an abyss. There's so many other issues, you know, it can get lost or it's all about COP. And then when COP finishes, we move on. But going to South Africa and seeing with my own two eyes, standing with those communities who are being affected by climate injustice, again, it's just invoked another passion within me. Firstly, looking within, what can I stop doing? Yeah. What can I do and what can I advocate and empower others to do in this in this issue so it was absolutely transformative you know just being on African soil African land you know they're so connected to the land they're a part of nature and I think being in the west it can be so separate at times which I don't think is always healthy (laughs) and maybe is why we're in the predicament we're in so um yeah fantastic trip thank you to Christian Aid for allowing us to see that and also being in an apartheid country you know, mm-hmm. so racial justice is another part of my brief and responsibility. And just seeing the remnants of the apartheid colonial system that was separating people based on their skin, their race, their colour, and how that has infiltrated into the infrastructure of that society was also mind-blowing. And just the way the church was a prophetic voice in combating apartheid. And we can't lose that prophetic edge now. Oh, absolutely. And I think there's something about that, what you said about the prophetic voice of the church in these spaces. Often we think that the conversation can often, when it's mainstream, just be led by, say, secular voices. And sometimes we don't hear the Christian voices within that and we don't hear God included in those issues. But yet God's heart is for justice. And so it's incredible that 
as carriers of God's spirit, we can come into those spaces and see what he's doing firsthand and to see how he's in those spaces with people that are suffering to bring that plan of redemption out. That sounds like a life-changing experience for you, Shamara, to be able to see that firsthand. You get to actually meet people there in the villages and talk to people and find their experiences and stuff like that. Yeah, and see their agency as well. Because I think, unfortunately, in, in the realm of aid, that's not my specialism, but just observing it from afar, yeah. you know, can be paternalistic at times. So how do we ensure that the aid isn't just transactional, that it's relational, yeah. that the people have agency and dignity? What does aid look like in the form of reparation? Particularly yeah. if there's been countries that have benefited from the decimation of other countries. So I think there's so much questions, there's so much nuances, and there's also so much great work that's happening through aid. So yeah, it's very eye-opening. Yeah. I might put you on the spot with this question, but what do you think God is saying at the moment into these issues of justice? Like, what would you say at the moment that God is saying in these issues? Around climate change. Yeah, and justice as a whole. Like, what do you think God's saying and speaking over his people in this and for the church specifically? Hmm. Which is a huge question. (laughs) I I think there's three questions that come to mind. Where is the church? Where is the church in the injustice? What is the church about? What do we think the church is? Who is the church serving? Is the marginalised? Is the least of these? Yes, the rich is in that. Everybody is in the kingdom of God. But we have a mandate to look out for the marginalised and stop perpetuating marginalisation. And then I think the third thing is the question, whose do we think the church is? This is not our church. We are stewards for this time, in this moment in history, and there will be people after us. So we need to ensure that we don't cling on to the church like, oh, it's it's mine. It is not. It's God's church. And we have been graced as leaders, as the laity, whatever part we have to play in the kingdom for, for this time. I think we have to remember that God is a God of justice and that our justice isn't cheap. You know, we don't engage with justice for the benefits it brings to say, oh, we're really good freedom fighters. We contribute so much to society and we talk on behalf of how do we create models and systems that empower those who are marginalized to speak for themselves? So, yeah, I I think those three questions, where is the church? What do we think the church is? And remembering whose the church is. That's amazing. That's really powerful and profound. I love that and very inspiring. Now, now recently, obviously, the biggest televised occasion happened, which was Her Late Majesty the Queen's funeral. And it was televised and watched by 4.1 billion people. Mm. Can you just tell us about the journey leading up to you getting this opportunity to pray at her funeral, to be in those spaces? Like, what was the lead up like that? How's your journey been with getting getting into those spaces? Yeah, you know, I I received a message inviting me to the funeral. And then I received another message asking me to read at the funeral. And at first I said, oh my goodness, okay. (laughs) Okay, right. And my brother, God bless him, he came up to me and he actually held my head. And he said, Shamara, this isn't about you. It's about the communities that you represent. It's about our grandparents even, you know, who came to this country and, 
you've been asked, you have been asked to read. So take it seriously. So I had a very quick turnaround. I had to, you know, get myself prepared, get an out, design an outfit, get it made. Yeah. Uh, out to my amazing dressmaker. <laughs> she was under pressure. Your outfit was incredible, honestly. Oh, Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. And, you know, then going there, there was this real sense that the Queen, beyond the institution and the monarchy and, and the nuances of, of that, yeah. The Queen as an individual, it was very clear that she was a Christian and she had a living faith. You know, her funeral, the prayers were so sincere, genuine, relatable. You know, you had heads of states across the world. You had kings and queens across the world. You had army generals across the world, all in this space. And we had the opportunity to pray. Yeah. You know, you speak about 4.1 billion people. Yeah. You know, at that moment, to be able to pray for God's word to go mm-hmm. out across the globe. What an amazing privilege. What a way to glorify God. Yeah. What a way for God's majesty, awesomeness yeah. to be displayed across the world. And she was a queen. She was the queen of England, you know, a respected monarch across the world and she really did point to Jesus in in that funeral service yeah Um, so it was profound you know historical it's in the archives it goes down in history but what a privilege that God was able to be glorified in that in that space and I'll never forget it I'll tell my grandkids my grandkids will tell theirs I'm sure but yeah it was it was phenomenal yeah, you can show them it. You can show them the clip from YouTube. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> That's really profound, though, like what your brother said to you about it's not about you, it's the bigger picture of those that you represent, the people that you're bringing into that journey just by association and by being mm. who you are. Like, That's so powerful because even me as a woman of God who follows Jesus to see another young woman in that space and also who is an ethnic minority in that sense, it was inspiring for me to witness that and to see a difference with the diversity there to be Mm. like, you know what, there's a space that's been opened up. And I love what you said that you received that invitation. And I think there's something so profound with that, that all it starts from is an invitation into these spaces for then God to move and have his way. So I'm just so grateful that you were able to have that opportunity and for us to share in that and seeing that what did it mean for you as a leader and knowing the representation that you offer for many others around in the UK and beyond that what did it mean for you as a leader to hold that and to be part of representing well you you feel the responsibility and weight of that um, because as you said it's it's not just about Shamara Fletcher it's about all of us and you know we're an ethnic minority in the UK, but we are global majority across the world. So yes, we was representing more than just the UK, you know, it, it was a global affair. And I I think at that moment it was just pray. This is what you do every week. Pray. Yeah. You know, for people of of of, of colour, global majority people, all people to be honest, prayer mm-hmm. is an important part of our lives. So I wanted to make sure that what we do in our everyday, we do it in that space, being myself, you know, it's so important as a leader to be authentic, to find your authentic 
identity and print. So even my hair, my clothes, the way I spoke, I didn't change it for the occasion. That's who I am. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, anyone that knows me will know that's who Shamara is. And I think it's so important as a leader, inspiring others to inspire them to be their authentic self. Also, you know, with that invitation, I didn't push up myself. I didn't say it must be me. I mm. wasn't, uh, you know, scheming or, oh, let me talk to this person. Mm. No, you know, when God favours or says it's it's you, it's you, I want, it, it will happen. And yeah. that's what I want leaders to remember. Be authentic. Yeah. Uh, stay in, stay in the lane that God has opened for you. Don't watch others. Don't, mm. don't compare the only thing you should compare is am I doing what God's asked me to do am I being faithful am I being consistent I think another thing for leaders is it doesn't start with the glory this is something that we need to understand you know from 18 years old I've been on the streets with the homeless giving out food with an amazing team sometimes the team has to go you can't go because you're the leader you have to make sure things are are done you know there was times I'd be closing up at 1am in the morning 2am on my own in the dark you know friends are doing their their law degrees their graduates and I'm a graduate as well but Mm, as in you know they're progressing in in the typical careers I'm thinking ah I've chosen a vocation. I'm trying to follow the call of God. Have I done the right thing? Yeah. I'm here on my own. I've moved to London on my own. I've left my family. Yeah. You know, sometimes in your room crying, God, have I done the right thing? So I think it's important as leaders, you can't just share the success, the glory. Mm. There's a story behind the glory. Yeah. Um, there's struggle, there's failure, there's there's contempt. There's so many different things that lead to your success as a leader. And it's important to be authentic with that. Mm. And the final thing I'll say is don't change. Um, Some people get a level of exposure and then all of a sudden they can't talk to people anymore. (laughs) All of a sudden they're so important. They can't remember. They can't remember people anymore. And I detest Mm. that in a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Be authentic. Yes. There's different spaces, different levels of access, you know, you can't bring everyone into that space. I understand that. And yeah. there's certain things that you've been called and ordained to do. Yes. But being rude, being disrespectful, mm. being prideful, absolutely not. There's just no place or space for it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I would say. Amazing. That is some good wisdom right there. Thank <laughs> you so much, Tamara. Now, what have you experienced as a black woman in leadership? This is what we wanted to move on, like your experience as a woman, but particularly Mm. as a black woman in leadership, what's your experience been like with that? I absolutely love it. You know, oftentimes it's what marks you as unique. You know, it brings me so much experience, clarity, creativity, you know, within the black community, we were vibrant people. There's so much, you know, to our culture. Before colonialism, you know, we, we've been yeah. created science, universities. Many of the inventions we have in the world has come from the African diaspora. And I bring that wherever I go. So, you know, sometimes others might be challenged with a black lady or black woman being in the position of leadership I'm in. But that's a 
them problem, not yeah. mine. <laughs> so I, like I, I walk in the authority that God has given to me. I share platform. I, you know, love to see others win and develop, develop their leadership. So it gives me an authentic perspective. If you're a leader um, if you're putting together a board, governance, whatever it might be, and everything and everyone looks like you, it will be weak. Yeah. You need different perspectives, life experiences to feed into a space so that you can reach more people. Yeah. So as a black woman in leadership, I bring that and I love to see others doing that as well. I love that. That's amazing. And it's that thing like what you've mentioned before of like, as a leader, knowing that it's not about you, but also that thing of, it's almost like having an audience for one, when you spoke about the glory earlier and things like that, it's having that perspective of the audience of one, isn't it? That exactly. you can bring people on the journey, but essentially it's like, am I following my calling, what God's brought me into? And am I displaying the beauty he's created me with mm -hmm. and, and walking out in that with confidence, you know, in, in who he's created you to be. So that that's amazing. Now, this month is Black History Month, which I don't know about you, I'm always like, it should not just be a month like this year. <laughs> because <laughs> it'd be all year round but we are celebrating it in the UK as a formal thing you know what are some of the main things that you hope that people will celebrate about black culture this month but beyond this month as well like what are some of the things that you're hoping people will be celebrating with black um, culture in particular I hope they celebrate our vibrancy our resilience our creativity you know, you have figures like Stormzy, who just released his his new song. And yeah. you just see this beautiful Black Renaissance of UK excellence. I also want us to see our history beyond colonialism. Yes, um, we can't ignore that. Mm. But it's not our only story. It's not our only narrative. We can't let others decide what our narrative is. And when our history begins and ends you know there's been the nubian empire there's kings of ghana yeah. of nigeria there's so many different amazing history within the black african diaspora that i would want us to really tap into also we need to look at the harsh realities we need to look at racial injustice we can't ignore yeah. the george floyds we can't ignore the chris carbers we can't ignore those injustices where we are seeing inequality death to our people so we also need to address that other communities to i would argue step out of just being an ally and be a comrade be on that battlefield fight the injustice that many that people are facing yeah um, but it's not all a story of injustice there are black people doing amazing doing excellently so i would like to see balancing narrative but not ignoring the injustices that are taking place and need to be addressed and on that point where do you think we go from here because particularly in the uk at the moment with the experience and what had happened with chris cabot I mean, it's just devastating what had happened. And we're seeing, you know, often we only think, oh, that's only in America. But it, it's not only in America. Like, these things are happening all over the world. Like, there are cases we don't even know of that aren't ever mm. spoken loud, that are hidden under the radar. Now, with that, where do we go from here? What are some of the immediate steps that that you can offer for our community to think about what we do as leaders in those spaces, right from the grassroots leaders, right to the, those that are in like public platform places. Because I'm, I'm a big believer that we all lead, but it's just depending on where you lead and, and yeah. who you're called to. But yeah. like, what would you, where do we go from here? 
in terms of racial justice. Yeah. What, what would your what would your voice be within that of where we go from here? Mm. Read. We need to read. Communities need to read. There's been so much history, literature, strategies, advice on what to do. So we need to tap into that like we do for every single other subject. Yeah. Um, we need to look at our relationships. Who, who are our friends? Who are we affiliating with? How do we expand our circle? We need to call out racism for what it is. We need to call out discrimination, prejudice. They're all different things, by the way. And we're always using them interchangeably. And we need to call it out. If we see it in our workplace, if we see it in our family, if we see it in society, we need to be bold enough to say, hey, that's wrong. You need to stop that. There needs to be accountability. Mm -hmm. I think that racism needs to be held with the same regard as safeguarding. Because actually, if people are experiencing um, racism, discrimination, you know, racism is dealing with structures now. It's not just about feelings. It's not about just saying harsh words or I don't like you because of the colour of your skin. It's about creating a whole system so one group doesn't progress as well as another. You know, if we look at spaces where the the starting line is equal, like sports. Yeah. (laughs) Which suggests to me, if the starting line is equal in all spheres of society we probably have a different story but I'll leave that there that's Um, so true Shamara yes so and also we and also people need to look within themselves what are the prejudices that you that you're carrying you can't keep on asking those who have been the victims of racism to solve your problem that's a you problem yeah and you need to look within yourself what is going on for you yeah you know, yeah, so I, I think read, call it out, mm. look at what's going on within yourself. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's that's what I would say for now. That's really good. I think our listeners can really take a lot from that, what you've shared. Even I'm going to take a lot from that. That's amazing. Now, as we kind of close up this interview, I'd love to ask if you would be open to praying for our listeners. You know, we have a lot of young people, up and coming leaders, the next generation essentially listening to this and probably older generations too. But we would love for you to just pray for the next generation and our listeners and our leaders. Would that be okay? That's fine. That's fine. Thank you so much, God, for the Together podcast. We pray for every single person listening in that right now they will sense your presence. I pray for all those who are leaders, and that is everybody, because a leader is someone who has influence and somebody that can change their atmosphere. And everyone has the capacity to do that in any sphere of life. I pray that you will just help them to tap into their authentic identity. I pray that they won't be fearful of doing that. I pray that you'll surround them with the right people to help them birth into what you are calling them to do. I pray for those who are called particularly to areas of justice, that you'll give them a boldness and that you'll give them creativity, that you will allow them to step in spaces to to declare who you are and your heart for justice and that it won't just be trendy, that they will understand that there's a cost to pursuing justice. Finally, I pray for all those who might feel lost right now, might feel a bit despondent, might even feel mental health might be suffering, whatever it might be, that you'll send them comfort at this time guidance, help to know that you are a God that comforts all. Amen.
Amen. Shamara, thank you so much for your time to join us and to speak into our community here and to join us on the Together podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Thanks for having me, Sandy. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you like and subscribe. Also follow us on Instagram at We Are Tear Fun or check out all that we're doing on wearetearfun.org.